Joel Atta Show. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you for subscribing, liking, sharing on all the platforms of social media. Uh, for those of you that do that, I appreciate it. Those of you that are taking the time to listen to this, whether you're driving in your car, you're sitting in your office at work, um, you're doing the dishes. That's when I do I'll listen to all my podcasts that I listen to. Uh, when I'm doing the dishes, I just pl- plug in the podcast. But thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast where we talk about everything. Seahawks, we talk about Mariners, we talk about the Huskies uh, occasionally. I really, 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 really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast. And uh, I would just hope that you would share this, get the word out, um, because man, I want to keep doing it and I, I want to present good content to you guys. And the more time, the more you guys listen, the more I will uh, produce podcasts, the more I will put out content for you. Uh, today's show, we talked about last week that we were going to talk about the Giants game, uh, pre- previewing everything we need to know about the Giants, getting you ready for Sunday's kickoff between the Seahawks and the Giants at 1.25 p.m. in MetLife Stadium, uh, a stadium that we hold dear here in our great city of Seattle where we won Super Bowl 48 against the Denver Broncos. So first off, we're going to get to the headlines in just one second where we'll talk about all of uh, the things that have gone on, gone on over the last two weeks with the Seahawks offensive line, some shuffling that has to happen now, uh, not signing Brandon Albert, where is CJ Procise at right now, uh, some crazy information that just came out about Russell Wilson. Uh, we have a lot of things to cover, and then we're going to preview the Giants. So, don't go anywhere. It's the Joel Atta Show. All right, we're back on the Joel Atta Show. We're going to get straight into the headlines. There's lots of things that have happened in the last week uh, that we need to talk about, we need to discuss. Number one, we just got to start here. Brandon Albert. This is a guy who, is a he's a left tackle that's a free agent, and he's unsigned. And the Seahawks had him in Seattle for two weeks. They were talking with him. They were trying to get him to sign. They were trying to get him to join their roster to help them out at left tackle. Uh, Because Reese Odiambo, just to be honest with you, and you guys know this, you guys are smart enough to know this because you watch the games, you understand, you see the glaring needs that the Seahawks have uh, at left tackle with Reese Odiambo just not cutting it. And so Brandon Albert, who's been a Pro Bowl tackle in the past, he's over 30 years old. I think he's close to 32, 33 years old. Wanted to sign here, uh, but the Seahawks just didn't have enough cap uh, enough cap room to to bring him in. And point blank, just where it's at, the Seahawks are, were restricted enough with the cap that they could not get Brandon Albert to sign for the league min, the league veteran minimum, which is just under a million dollars. They couldn't get him to sign for that much money, uh, and he leaves Seattle without a deal. But the good news is, is that Brandon Albert hasn't signed it with anybody else because there's a lot of other opportunities uh, that could have happened for him, but they haven't yet. And I think it's all leading to the same uh, result, is that not a lot of teams can pay uh, what, he was, what he was making at one point. John Clayton you know, said on 710 ESPN Seattle that he was making almost $9 million in Jacksonville, and you're just not going to make that much money as a left tackle at the age he's at in the middle of a season. You're just not going to get a contract like that uh, in the middle of a season. So I don't really understand his strategy, Brandon Albert's strategy, that is, uh, trying to get uh, more money than the league veteran minimum when he could just take that money, have it guaranteed in his in his pocket, for play the rest of the season, play well, 
with the Seahawks, try to get re-signed here, and or re-sign somewhere else at the end of the year. Um, his strategy just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, why wouldn't uh, if you're Brian, Brandon Albert? Why wouldn't you try to play yourself into a contract to get a two-year, three-year deal as a 32-year-old left tackle when left tackle right now, honestly, is a hot commodity. Everyone's looking for left tackle. Everyone's looking for good offensive linemen. Everyone's looking to replace their college, uh, their younger college, inexperienced uh, offensive linemen because the the college game just is not producing uh, offensive linemen at a rate. At that, like they used to, with the advanced love for spread offenses at the college level, with more read option styles of offenses in the college level, it's just not producing the pro style offensive linemen that the NFL needs to sustain itself. Which is why I've been saying for a long time, and I haven't really said it on this podcast, but I've said it to other people, uh, I've tweeted about it that the NFL has to adjust and adapt its style of game if they want to continue to have people interested in their game. They cannot have offensive linemen play like they do now. Eventually, the NFL game is going to look a lot like the college game looks right now because that's the level of players that are going to be produced and put into the NFL. It's going to happen. There's just not enough pro-style offenses in college football to produce uh, this style of offensive lineman. So if I'm Brandon Albert and you want a contract, play in Seattle or play with the New York Giants, I don't care, and get yourself a deal for next year. You're not going to make $9 million. You wouldn't have next year anyways. Even if he was to play out the rest of his his uh, games this year in Seattle, he wouldn't make $9 million next year. It just doesn't happen. Andrew Whitworth in Los Angeles with the Rams is an anomaly. And he's playing great right now, but he's one of the few uh, 35-year-old left tackles that's going to command the kind of money that he could. Brandon Albert can't do that. He's not the same guy he was in Jacksonville. He's a fill-in guy for us if he were to sign with us in Seattle. Uh, He needs to do that. He needs to sign either here or New York or wherever and play himself into a contract. And I was really hoping that it was going to be here because with uh, Luke Jokel going out with the surgery, which I'm still kind of uh, amissed by, why would you do that if he played all of the snaps last week and he knew he was going into surgery? Uh, I'm just kind of confused on how this is going to work. And now Luke Jokel is going to miss five weeks, it looks like, maybe more. And so Reese Odiombo has to stick at left tackle, and then you're going to have to put in Ethan Posick at left guard, which we'll talk about in a second. Man, the Seahawks needed to make room to sign Brandon Albert. They needed to make room for him, and they didn't. And it, I hope it doesn't come back to bite them in the butt, because if it does, the Rams are going to go to the playoffs, and we're going to be sitting on our couches come January and February watching a different team play in the playoffs and not the Seattle Seahawks. So if I'm, if I'm the Seahawks, I don't wait much longer. Go out and get help at left tackle because we certainly need it. Number two on the headline, CJ Procise. We have to talk about CJ Procise, man. This is a guy that three weeks ago suited up, he warmed up, and then all of a sudden couldn't play. That game against the Colts, he was like warming up, ready to play, looked like he was going to be in. Uh, looks like he was going to play. It was going to be great, and we're all excited. And then all of a sudden, it ends up that he doesn't play because of an injury. And ever since that, 
moment. The next day on Brock and Saul, Pete Carroll was like, man, CJ Prosize, he's going to be ready to go. He's going to be ready to go. He should be ready to go. He's raring to go. He's ready to get out there and catch passes and be our primary passing running back. And every week when the injury report comes out on Wednesday, it's the first day of injury reports, CJ Prosize's name has been on that list. And every week, Pete Carroll continues to say, CJ Prosize better be ready to go. CJ Prosize to me, in my opinion, is a guy that can't figure out how to stay healthy. And from what it strikes me as, he doesn't seem like he really cares that uh, he's not playing football games. From what, I, from what I understand, his injuries are not that bad. And they are, they are injuries where he could play through them. They're soft tissue issues that aren't, uh, aren't huge and detrimental to his career. He should be able to play through it. I mean, good Lord, Michael Bennett this weekend going to New York is going to be playing with plantar fasciitis. And I know firsthand what plantar fasciitis looks like, and it's debilitating. Uh, there's people in my family that have had it, and they've really, really, really been hurt by it, and they can barely walk at times. And Michael Bennett's going to play through that, but CJ Prosize can't play through a sore calf or a sore leg? Come on, dude, you got to be kidding me. And your head coach is out there in the media saying, CJ Prosize better get, he's ready to go. And then all of a sudden, Wednesday comes, and he's back on the injury report. I, it just boggles my mind. CJ Prosize, you've got to figure it out. Because when you're on the field, you are a, you are a legitimate game changer. You give us the, the versatility to throw the ball to you in the backfield, and you can make plays happen. Proof in the pudding is when that running play he had against uh, the Eagles last year. And he just ran around the corner from the 20-yard line, and he housed it, 80 yards touchdown. And that was a game-changer for us. It allowed us to beat Carson Wentz and the Eagles. So, you got to do what you got to do. But, Procise, you better get it back on the field, or not very long. you're not going to be on this team very much longer. And you're going to be a wasted third-round draft pick. Um, and, man, after that point, and people know your track record, I don't know how many chances you're going to get. You'll get a couple, but you won't stick in the NFL if you continue to not play through some of these injuries that you could play through. Number three on the on the headlines today, Ethan Posick, our second-round pick out of LSU. Uh, he's going to be playing left guard this week as Jokel goes in for his surgery, and I'm nervous about this. I'm really nervous about this because when you had an issue at right guard, you skipped Ethan Posick, and you went from Mark Glowinski straight to Odea Bushi. So Ethan Posick wasn't good enough to play that position. Then you've been flirting with a left tackle to, to uh, have Riso Diambo then move into offensive guard, play left guard, and then Brandon Albert, would have, if they would have signed him, he would have played left tackle. It would have been Odiambo at left guard. So in their mind, he wasn't good enough to play left guard. And I'm, that makes me nervous. If they continue or are trying to find ways to skip over Ethan Posick, um, that makes me a little nervous because this is a guy that in the preseason, he started off the first game really well, uh, played good, and he had, you know, just was moving, moving his guy and making running lanes in the running game. He was pass protecting really well. Um, but each game progressively in the preseason, uh, Ethan Posick played worse and worse. And now it's been six weeks since he's played a down. Uh, obviously, he's getting reps in practice, but it's not the same. And so him getting looked over that many times uh, to be put into the offensive line 
yeah, you, you could say that, yeah, they're just trying to, you're trying to, you know, warm him up and, and not to throw him into the fire so fast. But that's a second round pick. And that's a high resource to be putting on offensive linemen to just look over him that many times when you know Mark Lewinsky's not good, you know Ode Abushi isn't much better than Mark Lewinsky, and you know Reese Odiombo isn't a great player either. And so I'm really nervous to watch Ethan Postick, what, he's do, what, he, what he does on Sunday. Uh, he's a nasty player. He can, he can be good, and I'm, I'm hopeful for his upside. But the fact that the, our offensive line coaches – have overlooked him that much on an offensive line that is already bad, that kind of smells bad to me. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope that you guys can tweet at me next week and say, hey, you were wrong about Ethan Posick. He played great against the New York Giants. I really, really hope and pray that you guys are right. And then finally, last on our headlines, Russell Wilson. Uh, this past week from Pro Football Focus, I found this tweet. Uh, you can follow the Twitter account, the Pro F- Football Focus Seattle account. Uh, they have accounts for each NFL team. But the one that's the one that follows Seattle posted a picture, and it had the top four uh, NFL quarterbacks in this early NFL season. And I'm going to read you that list. Uh, number one, Tom Brady, obviously. Number two, Drew Brees. Number three, Alex Smith. And then coming in at fourth place, the fourth highest quarterback on or in the NFL this year, according to Pro Football Focus, is your own your own Russell Wilson with an 85.2 quarterback rating, uh, according to Pro, Pro Football Focus, of course. Does that feel like an accurate assumption this year? Does that does that is that an accurate reading with uh, how? you know, inconsistent this offense has been. Is Russell Wilson really the fourth best passer in the NFL? Has he been that this year? Yeah, he's had a few really breakout games. Uh, he played really well against the Titans in the second half. He played really well against the Colts. Uh, he had the pick, but overall, has Russell Wilson been the fourth best passer in football? I think more so than Russell Wilson being really, really good this year, which I, I do. I generally think that Russell Wilson has been really good this year. I think that passing uh, in the NFL has been down as a whole this year. And I think that's what that's what propels him into that number four spot um, because most offenses have just haven't been that great this year. It's been a weird NFL season. Uh, but when I saw that stat, I literally instantly texted my brother. I was like, dude, do you, do you see that Russell Wilson is the fourth-rated passer on Pro Football Focus? There's no way. Like that there's no way you look at the offense this season and how inconsistent they've been and say that he would be the fourth rated passer, but apparently he is. And man, I I just hope that if they're viewing him that highly right now with the stats that he has right now, if he goes on a run this season, Russell Wilson could be in the top 2 or 3 uh passers ratings-wise from pro from Pro Football Focus. I keep struggling to say that name today. But I was really intrigued by that. So what, he's going to be an interesting player to watch the rest of the year. Will Russell Wilson go on a run and go on a run like he had in 2015 uh, and have the crazy stats like he did the last eight games of that year? Or is he just going to keep maintaining? Is he just going to stay at the number four rated quarterback this season? Because I think if he does that, the Seahawks are going to be in really good position uh, to continue and to continue their run in the playoffs uh, by getting there and playing well. 
it's really surprising to me that he's that high, but he is. And uh, we're going to come right back. That's the headlines for today. We're going to come right back, talk about the Giants, preview the Giants, and get you ready for everything you need to know about the New York Giants this coming Sunday. All right, it's here. The moment you guys have all been waiting for, the Giants preview for this Sunday's game in New York at MetLife Stadium, the destination where the Seahawks won the Super Bowl a few years ago, Super Bowl 48. And uh, I'm here to give you all the keys, all of the things you need to know about the Giants. So we're just going to jump right in. Uh, First thing you need to know about the New York Giants, we can't go any further to talk about the New York Giants without talking about quarterback Eli Manning. Uh, who's been there since 2005, I think he was drafted, some crazy like that. He's been in the league for a super long time now. And, uh, man, not 2005, earlier than that probably. But uh, right now, according to Pro Football Focus, I've been practicing that since I took a break, Pro Football Focus, not for bitter, bitter, like I was doing earlier, uh, he's ranked 12th among all the quarterbacks, uh, with 1,400 yards, nine touchdowns, five interceptions, and a QBR of 89.5. Now, when you watch these games, Eli Manning, he's behind a, just like Russell Wilson, he's behind a struggling offensive line. Uh, they have an insane amount of injuries across their whole team. But Eli Manning is kind of the glue that still keeps them around and keeps them dangerous. So you can't overlook Eli Manning and what he's able to do. He's a two-time uh, Super Bowl champ. He He's just a dangerous quarterback. You can't ever overlook him. Uh, and he, if, if he catches you uh, on a bad day, he can beat you, and he most likely will. So you can't go uh, much further without talking about Eli Manning. Number 12, according to Pro Football Focus, 1,500 yards, nine touchdowns. Don't overlook Eli Manning because he'll torture you if you do. Now, that being said about Eli Manning, number two, we have to talk about the injuries to receiver. Odell Beckham Jr. breaks his ankle. Brandon Marshall gets hurt. They're both out for the season. Uh, And then Sterling Shepard, their third receiver, the third best option, uh, is listed as doubtful to play in this game. There's a chance he plays. He's really questionable. Uh, The fact that he's doubtful and not questionable indicates to me that he's probably not going to play, but there's still a shot that he will. And this matchup for our secondary with Sherman, Griffin, Coleman, I mean, that plays in our favor. Uh, that they're going to be largely covering guys that you've probably never heard of. That that bodes well for us. And so if we can cover them, shut down the run, it's going to be a tough day for them to score. Um, but again, they just went to Denver, or they just played Denver and beat them with this exact same injury issue. Odell Beckham didn't play in that game. Brandon Marshall didn't play in that game and they still beat the Denver Broncos. So even though we think it, it bodes well in our favor that all three of these wide receivers are hurt and that Eli Manning has not as many weapons to throw to, they still went to Denver and beat them. They still took it to Denver. So if I'm the Seahawks, I still don't take them lightly. So each of these points is going to come back to that same point. We can't take the Giants lightly, and if they do, they will get beat. Because the 49ers almost beat us. The Rams almost beat us. Like, we can't we can't take this team lightly. Which leads me to the number one threat that we have to look out for this Sunday. Evan Ingram. He's a real threat at tight end. 
This is a guy that, that, that will challenge the Seahawks defensively. Uh, he leads the, the Giants in targets, 41. He has four receptions. This is an interesting stat to me. He has four receptions of longer than 20 yards. So when Eli Manning has been trying to find the big plays this year, he's gone to Evan Ingram, the tight end. And just it just so happens that the Seahawks kryptonite over the last five or six years has been covering athletic catching tight ends. What has Witten done to us? Burned. What has um, Greg Olson done to us? He's burned us. Man, it's been the kryptonite. It's been the thorn in our side is catching tight ends that can catch passes of longer than 20 yards. Man, Cam Chancellor this in this week is going to be the, the player on defense to watch. He's been relatively quiet all season, and he hasn't made the big plays we're all used to seeing. Uh, and in the past, he's had tendency to struggle against the premier tight ends in football. So we can't, we, we have to be able to shut down Evan Ingram. You have to. Uh, and they have to do it while they're still covering the other, other receivers, the other receiver options. So Cam Chancellor is kind of going to be one-on-one, and, uh, and they could you know bring over some linebacker help to help Cam Chancellor cover Evan Ingram. But in a lot of situations, Cam Chancellor is going to be one-on-one with Evan Ingram in coverage, in the seam routes, uh, in those middle-of-the-field post routes, and Cam Chancellor has to lock him down. If you want to win on Sunday, you have to start by locking down Evan Ingram because if you, do, if you don't, uh, they're going to torch you for big chunk plays. Um, yeah, Evan Ingram, you have to stop him. He's our, the number one threat against this offense or against this defense and against this team. So if you want to beat the Giants, you've got to beat Evan Ingram. Which leads me to the situation at running back. Uh, Orleans Darqua is the lead running back in New York right now. Uh, Paul Perkins, who was their starting running back to start the season, is hurt right now. Uh, so Darqua is their guy. He's the guy that uh, torched Denver Broncos last week. He had 120-plus yards on 20 carries. He's averaging 5.7 yards a carry. Um, and an interesting stat, It's uh, right now the Seahawks are sixth in the league when it comes to defending the run at 127.2 yards a game, which is down from a season ago when they only allowed 92 yards per game. Um, we have to stop the run, too. Evan Ingram is clearly number one, the number one issue in my mind, stopping him and not allowing Eli to get him the ball in chunk plays. But number two is Orleans Darkwell. We have to stop him. And this season... Um, the Seahawks have started at defensive tackle and defensive end. Younger, undersized guys at defensive tackle and defensive end. Um, when in the past few years, we've relied on guys like Ataba Rubin, Brandon Meebane, and Red Bryant uh, at those positions who are, they're, they're kind of like the big fridge guys that just plug up the run. We have kind of taken a different approach this year. Not kind of, we have taken a different approach this year, approach with Jaron Reed, who's a um, a skinnier athletic defensive tackle with Nas Jones, who's a skinnier, more athletic defensive tackle uh, with Frank Clark, who's, you know, only 270 pounds at defensive end with Michael Bennett, who's a more athletic, uh, smaller defensive end. The defensive line this year is smaller than it has been in the past, which I mean, the correlation has to be there. The, the fact that they're giving up 30 more yards a game running the football this season than they were a year ago. And I know it's only a six yard, um, sample size, but that's you're not a six yard, six game sample size of a difference. That's still significant, and and that correlation is there. And so with Darkwa 
tear, kind of taking apart a very, very, very talented Denver Broncos team last Sunday, that kind of worries me as we go into this Sunday. I mean, I'm not super worried. We're, we're pretty stout in stopping the run. Um, but with an undersized defensive line, with guys hurt, Cliff Averill not being there, man, there's an opportunity for Orleans Darkwa to start to dictate, to start to convert first downs in the run game, when in the past we really haven't seen that. We really haven't seen that opportunity from a lot of running running backs to really uh, dominate the Seahawks. But this year, those plays have been there. Those plays have been there. Carlos Hyde, he torched you. He, he had a really good game in your home opener against that defensive line that clearly is undersized and clearly is younger, um, and they aren't they don't have the spot there for Ruben Meebane and Red Bryant to plug up the run like they used to. So, man, you got to be somewhat nervous about Orleans Darkwa as a lead running back um, and him averaging 5.7 yards so far through six, six weeks of the season or seven weeks of the season now as we've uh, passed last night's game between the Oakland Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, with the injuries at receiver, moving on from that, with the injuries at receiver to Paul Perkins, uh, their best defensive lineman in Olivier Vernon, uh, and two starting linebackers. I just, this is kind of me getting into my dedicated uh, talking points here. I just don't see that the Giants have the talent to match up with the Seahawks, who right now are relatively healthy. The only two guys that are going to be uh, missing out this game are Cliff Averill, who obviously has the neck injury, and then uh, Luke Jokel. So those are our only two definite out guys in this game. And the list for the Giants is pretty lengthy. They have uh, six-plus guys that are looking to miss this game. But as I said, we outmatch them, or we outmatch them talent-wise. We just overmatch them. Um, but you can't overlook Orleans Darkwa. You can't overlook Evan Ingram. And you can't overlook at Eli Manning. Because if they come into the game and they start slow, if the Seahawks come into the game and start slow, there's an opportunity for us to get beat and to go to 3-3 uh, three and three and the Los Angeles Rams be 4-2. and two. And I don't like that. <laughs> I don't want to be a game down against the Rams uh, when they're playing like they are, when Todd Gurley is playing like they are. So, you, so if I'm Seattle, you can't take this game lightly. You have to go to New York. You have to win, and you have to stay um, right neck and neck with the Los Angeles Rams. And it makes that game um, in Seattle for the division later in the season so vital. It like makes it incredibly vital. Um, this game will set us up for the future. So if we lose tonight or lose on Sunday, that significantly weakens the chances that we have to go to the playoffs. Uh, you know, six out of the last seven years. I think I said seven straight before, but it's actually six out of the last seven. So we have to, we have to go in and take care of business on the road in New York. Uh, and and Russell and the and the squad they can't start slow offensively. We can't afford to have that. And you factor in that they're going to be mixing in pieces on the offensive line. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm nervous for this one. I, I think we're going to win, you guys. I think I think we're going to win. But we can't take them lightly, and the Seahawks have to get it done on the road in New York. We're going to come right back. We're going to close up the show. Thank you for listening. It's the Joel Latta Show. 
Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Joel Latta Show. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joel underscore Latta. Lots of exciting things coming up in the future for the program. Make sure you stick around. Make sure you share it to your friends. Get everyone on the train. It's the Joel Latta Show. Thank you so much for listening.